And here we go, folks. Hello, my friends. Welcome to episode 18 of the A to G show live from the Unfactor Studios here in downtown Jackson, Michigan. I'm Adam Amble. Thanks for joining us here live on Facebook on yet another decent Wednesday evening here in J-Town. We got Spitfire coming right up, so make sure you voice your opinions during the conversation. Of course, call the three a little later. Joining me tonight for his second week in a row, did a great job last week, is Jeff Collier. Collier, welcome back, buddy. Yeah, thanks, Adam. Glad to be back. Awesome. Good to see you, buddy. Uh, again, we'll uh, go over some great topics again tonight. Glad to see you sit in tonight. Garrett uh, has some things going on this weekend. Has to rest the voice again. Hey, Apparently, or did he lose his voice? Takes a week off and decides he needs to book five shows in one weekend. So, yeah, good for him. Good for <laughs> right. him, though. We're we're proud of him and stuff like that. So, yeah, if you we'll, we'll get over it or we'll get on it at the end of the show. See where exactly he's he's playing and stuff like that. But uh, uh, we'll we'll start right off this week with some. Michigan headlines, and that is Wolverines have advanced to the College World Series. The College Baseball World Series is the first time since 1984. Pretty impressive after being the number one seed UCLA 4-2 last Monday in the best of three series. This will be Michigan's eighth appearance to the uh, College World Series. They'll square off against Texas Tech Saturday at 2 p.m. live from Omaha, Nebraska. Make sure to tune in, cheer on the fellas. I'm pretty excited to tune in as well. It's a kind of a dead time minus the NBA championship that's going on right now. Uh, but that, who knows, that could be over by Saturday, right, Collier? Right, you never that. know. Um, we, I always enjoyed the College World Series as a kid back at Rosenblatt Stadium and whatnot. Just insane scores back in the day. You ever watched the College World Series I back did. in the day, I mean, Collier? I guess the good thing about Michigan being in there is it's a, a Midwest school, which you don't see a lot. I mean, And a Big Ten it, school, luckily. That's that's right. always nice. And Southern schools have the advantage when it comes to baseball and the amount of time they get to play. And yeah, yep. Uh, well, we're cheering them on. I know uh, uh, Mr. Collier here is a avid MSU fan, but uh, like he said, you know, maybe he'll root on the boys in blue, uh, yeah, you know, sure. regardless sure. of Big Ten team. And especially in baseball, it's not like we got any beef really in <laughs> baseball, right? So let's jump right in it, guys. Uh, again, welcome to the A to G show. Jeff Collier standing in or sitting in for Garrett. Uh, Papa Collier, if you want to call him that, whatever, whatever. Uh, but uh, glad you're here. We're going to hop right into Spitfire, guys, and uh, let's see. We'll we'll rock with the first question. I'll go first here, Collier, and it's, uh, it's kind of more recent. Uh, KD, Kevin Durant, went down with an injury again. I don't know if you watched the game at all, Collier, but basically goes down with a calf, calf rupture. It was confirmed Monday night. And it's, it, it, I guess my question will be is do you feel that it's right to push a comeback when you're injured regardless if it's a pro sport, regardless, you know, I'm sure you have, I know I have, regardless of uh, you're just not ready to play, but he was getting a lot of pressure to play and stuff like that. What do you feel about athletes coming back too early uh, on injury when it comes to, I'll say all sports, not, not just professional sports. What do you think? Well, to me, it depends on whose decision it was, whose choice it ultimately was. Like you said, you and I have both try to run through injuries, try to get through injuries, not the smartest thing, but your own choice. Now, if it was his choice, he, you know, they definitely need him. Um, looking at a elimination game, so he wanted to come back and see what he could do. If it was his choice, I have no issue with it. You know, more power to him trying to help the team. But, I mean, like you said, there was probably some pressure in that. Um, that's not right. That's, I mean, that's really that's what I've been hearing. That's <laughs> it, You're – yeah, exactly. I really think there was. And to be honest with you, as a professional athlete, these guys want to play. There's a lot of people, you know, how many times uh, just that comes to mind, Kurt Gibson with the home run. Uh, would you have felt that great about it had he not been hobbling along? Uh, let's see. Tiger Woods has been playing with a bad back for forever. Uh, Aaron Rodgers is out there a lot of times just hobbling around, hobbling and hobbling and hobbling. What exactly – uh, th these guys are professional athletes. They're competitors. They're competitors. Like you just said, Collier, we have – how many times have we ran through injuries and stuff like that? And I'm not even talking about back in high school. You know what I'm saying? I I'm not even saying back in high school. We're talking just in our adult lives of running 5Ks, running marathons. How many times have you forced yourself to come back from an injury? Not force yourself, but, okay, I feel – just good enough to actually play and we're not getting paid for this stuff right sure, so right so let's face it uh it, it's very very i i 
I, I side with the player and stuff like that. Absolutely. Had he got, hopefully he got the right information is my thing. Hopefully he got the, the correct diagnosis and stuff like that. It was his other calf that right that i mean look at the, injured, one but. of the greatest stories in olympic history was carrie struggs hobbling down the runway and doing the flip over the bar oh and, yeah and, that was know, winning yeah, the winning yeah. the gold medal for the u.s obviously on an injured leg um that turned out well but uh, like i said if it was his choice then more power to him if he was pressured then uh, i don't think that's and i really don't think he was pressured obviously he wants to leave his legacy and i think what it really solidified is his staple with the golden state warriors because you know you think it, it always kind of felt like it was a golden state warriors plus kd you know he really i don't think he ever felt really at home right there i know you don't i don't know how well you follow the nba collier but at the same time is it right if he was given the correct information from the doctors and stuff like that these guys aren't doctors obviously the, the players aren't doctors and they're competitors so get out yeah. there they're gonna want to play especially it's the championship I could see if it was – it would be a little different if it was a regular season game and stuff yeah, like that. Of course you rest and, and whatnot. But I really think that he made the right choice. And like I said, it's for the championship. The, these guys these guys all out there working their butts off. This is what they've worked for all season. Come on, this this has to be a – this is a no-brainer to me. If, if, you can, if you can play on it – the whole team is injured. So, yeah, like, this, everyone is pretty point, much injured. Yeah, somewhere, right? Which, which goes on to, and I think we've had this discussion before, of how are these seasons too long and stuff like that, regular seasons. But let us know your thoughts, guys. Again, hello to everyone. Uh, sorry, we probably won't be talking a lot of hockey. I know there's a big game going on here soon, but <laughs> right. just not a lot of hockey. We got, uh, we got some people joining in and stuff, so I appreciate the, the, the hockey game, I think, started, what, seven or what, hours – hour seven ago looks like not sure i don't know mr moshlek says he wants some hockey but uh you know <laughs> if the red wings aren't in it i really don't care so i don't know what you guys are what you guys are watching out there so what do you got collier what's what's the next subject well, that buddy? leads right into my first and staying with the nba it's the finals and i have not watched a minute um <laughs> my question to you um what would make the NBA relevant again? I, mean, I know Garrett's a huge NBA fan, and a lot of the younger kids are, but I'm just not a fan of that basketball, the type that, that's played. Um, is there something they can do to make the game relevant again for the 40 and over crowd to, to watch again? To be honest with you, Collier, I don't think that's their demographic anymore. I really don't. I think, that's, I think it's done for – like you mentioned, like it's still, it's a little rough on me even. And I'm, you know, we're not, I'm not a, I'm not 40 yet folks, but uh, hopefully I make it. Uh, there's, there's just, there's nothing that, cause you're absolutely right. I totally agree. I don't like the basketball that is played in the NBA right now. I, the, the Warriors were kind of a breath of fresh air because they kind of played a little team basketball. Right. I love the Pistons back when they won it because that was team basketball and stuff like that. Kind of exciting to, or I'm not gonna say exciting to watch, but I really think the kids nowadays, the the younger generations and stuff, millennials, whatever you wanna call, uh, I, I really think that they enjoy this one-on-one -on -one style of play and the, the hardens and, and stuff. And it's, it's real, it's probably tough for you to even talk about right. it because, but, like, but are I, they going to the games or are they just watching? Is, well, you know, I do know that ra these ratings for the NBA finals have been terrible in the United States. Now we can't add Toronto's the Canada's right. market and stuff like that. But if you do, then it's insane how the ratings are up there with, with every other, NBA Finals, I guess. So I've been told. So I, I can't source that really, but the the talk shows that I listen to and stuff like that, they say you could you could compare this to any other any other NBA Finals if you could include Canada. That's a whole country, you know. That's a whole country on one team. Right. So let's face it. There's no LeBron in the finals, which people are probably bummed about. That kind of that kind of sucks, right? Uh, I don't really personally, I don't care because again, I'm LeBron kind of on fan, your side I too. I don't watch the games. I mean, what would make it more enjoyable to you? What is there a rule that can make it better for your generation to watch this? I, I just don't know if there is. It's, it's tough. I don't know if there's a rule, but I think there's changes they can make as far as allowing what the players are allowed to get away with, with the officials that needs to change okay. before I'm going to okay. watch it. Um, the, if you touch LeBron shorts, it's a foul, but he can run over anybody and it's not a foul. In my opinion, Michael Jordan 
set the stage. To, I was just going to gonna ask, not, don't you think that was kind of a Michael Jordan was, thing? It's the Jordan started, rule? Right, and I think that's ever since then the, the audiences have gone down, the stands are not as full. It's just not an enjoyable game for me to watch anyway. And basketball's my favorite game to watch on television. Is College it really? See, I didn't know that. Far, so. Yeah. so, Okay, well, that does make And I, I would agree with you, but I, I would disagree on this. I think the stadiums, just because we're Pistons fans, and Pistons, the Little Caesars Arena doesn't fill up. It's tough. It's just not a big market for basketball. Golden State's is still filling up. You know the good squads and stuff. Philadelphia still fills up. The Celtics, even the Knicks still kind of fill up, and the Knicks have just been terrible for – what two decades now pretty much so it is a good question uh what i feel i just don't think that the nba is focusing on the older generation anymore so i don't think they see it as a problem millennials traditionally don't go to the games they watch it all on tv that's where you get all the the ad money and stuff like that is on tv that actually is kind of one of my questions a little later a little debate but i really think that the i think the nba as a whole really doesn't really doesn't care anymore because they're looking at the newer generation they're trying to get everything uh you know accustomed to the the younger and this is what they like like you mentioned g g loves the nba they're still selling jerseys and yeah exactly shoe shoe deals are are off the charts and stuff so i really think that i i think there is no rule that can change it simply because i don't think they want to they in their minds they're probably adam silver still thinks that they're doing just fantastic and in our minds they're not because we don't watch it anymore right right? so we're basically thinking oh they're doing terrible they're doing terrible but if you really look at some of these stadiums or these arenas and stuff they're still full ours isn't you know the the pistons aren't and you did you watch a second of any pistons game i have not exactly you know case in point in and they made the playoffs. Granted, they weren't that great, but they still made the playoffs. That's another thing. The eighth seed, yeah, but my half the league the makes The Tigers sense. are terrible, but I still watch. The Tigers yeah. are terrible, and, but I still go to a couple games a year. Oh, that's baseball for you, right? That's baseball mm-hmm. for, for you. And I personally, I would much rather watch the NBA right now than I would the Tigers. And that's kind of – that's where I'm on the fringe of – what do I, what is more entertaining to me? Because that's what it is. I've always liked baseball. I've always liked basketball. I've always liked football, especially watching them and stuff like that. Let us know your guys' thoughts. Uh, Mr. Keen thinks that game seven will happen in the, in the finals, but we'll see. I mean, we got tomorrow night that, that we'll see if the Raptors can, can pull it off. I know uh, Mr. Keen probably listened to the cowherd show on the way back from Stevensville today with me. So, (laughs) so he's got a little insight on what's going on. But that leads us to our next question again. This is the A to G show. Thanks for tuning in, guys. Let us know your opinions and stuff like that. Don't don't be afraid to type in some some comments. We really like to answer your questions and see your comments as well. I don't care what what your opinion is and stuff like that. That's the right. fun of the show. So don't feel don't be afraid to to type in and let us know your thoughts. Uh, the first one was, is it okay for an athlete to push an injury? And second one was, how does the NBA come back for the the older, the older crowd, if you want to call them that. So I'm going to fire right back at you. I, this is still the NBA, and I'm sure you've seen this all, all over social media and sports shows and stuff like that. That was when KD went down with that injury, the Toronto fans cheering. I think this has been blown way out of proportion. Uh, personally, what do you think, Collier? I agree. They had, at that point, they had no idea the severity of the injury. I'm sure it was just a spontaneous type instant reaction to cheer. It's a situation where, Mm -hmm. you know, they're in the finals. Golden State's the team for the last decade. You know, they're up. Yeah, yeah. They're up three games to one. They're looking at a chance to win the whole thing. It's not good sportsmanship, but I can understand the fact that they did it, and it it has been blown away. I mean, it was literally what – 15 seconds of them cheering then the the raptors the raptors squad uh showed great great sportsmanship right. and basically it was like quiet them down quiet them down and that was awesome but at the same time i think they would have anyway because then they would have been like oh this is not cool especially canadians what the heck they're, they're such <laughs> yeah. nice people right? such, <laughs> such docile people yeah anyway. exactly exactly mm-hmm. and you're right i i totally agree they were caught up in the heat of the moment they're they're possibly their first ever NBA championship sure. in, in franchise history. And that happens. I think they just got caught up in the moment. And, and really, I, I think it's been blown out of proportion. Now, this hasn't been the first time. 
like fans would cheer for an injury and stuff like that. Have uh, there's been a lot of times, there's been a lot of times where, again, I think it's kind of malicious, but that happens here in the states and stuff like that, where a player goes down and deep down, you're not going to cheer, <laughs> but you're kind of like, I'm yeah, not unhappy yeah, about exactly, it. Right? <laughs> exactly. And there's, I think there's a difference between cheering and obviously, okay, well, worse things could happen, right? You kind of just kind of brush it off as as a fan for the other team right. especially if it's a rivalry and stuff like that you know i'll be honest back in back in the day uh what was it uh smoker and who's your quarter uh, stanton you know they Michigan. used to go down against michigan all the time those those quarterbacks and at the same i was like all right well that's that's game uh that's that's it because that's all they had and you never now in my older age that was kind of immature and stuff right. like that well, because it did i decide one of the michigan michigan state games i think when stanton went down at Michigan, and we had to put Dowdell in, who had no business. <laughs> Dowdell, you guys should still have him. That would be, <laughs> yeah, that would be right. awesome. Be him, and, him and Todd Schultz. That would be awesome. So, yeah, I was just – I just hit Schultz, yeah. <laughs> oh, the one-handed interception by Charles – by Seawood, by Uncle Chuck there. <laughs> so, yeah, uh, fans cheering for an injury. Obviously, this one has been blown way out of proportion, but it does happen. Of course, I would assume – that you totally 100% disagree with this, right? 100%. Right, absolutely. there's there's no room for it. Let us know your thoughts. I see uh, G just joined in. G, what do you got on it, buddy, from the younger generation there? Let us know if that is uh, – it's, it's classless in my opinion, but, again – this instance was just blown out of proportion. That's that's all there is to it. So what do you what do you got next there, Collier? So a little bit about same type of subject, taunting. Um, okay. Looking at I was watching the Tigers pregame before I came over. Um, there seems to be a lot of bat flipping after home runs, and now there seems to be like a couple batters with certain pitchers that it's become personal. If they they get that home run off that pitcher they'll do the extra bat flip or the extra slow walk uh, what's your what's your take on a the bat flip to begin with is it taunting is it going over the top or are pitchers just being too sensitive nowadays i think it's both i really think oh no uh let me rephrase that one we talked about nba basketball and how they get fans back two they literally put out an ad that said let the boys play Right. You know what I mean? Let the boys play. And I think they need to excite. They need, I know maybe as an old school guy, Collier, you may not like that. It is, it is taunting. Of course it is. But I think that's what the league needs. You need some of those bad boys and stuff you like that. Them. Look at, look at NASCAR right now. NASCAR, not to change the subject, but NASCAR is dying because we don't have any rivalries. We don't have any bad boys of the sport anymore. We don't have the Jeff Gordon going against Dale Earnhardt and stuff like that. We just don't have it. There's no, right. there's no, who are you going to root for, really, and stuff like that? I mean, you had Kyle Busch, so he, and now he's lightened up since he had a child and is married and stuff like that. But I really think in, in baseball, I love when they flip the bat. I love when they stare down the pitcher. Right. I love that. The guy, what was it, earlier this week against, uh, or the, what was it, the, the Giants and – it was the Dodgers, right. right? Yeah. That guy hit it. He's like, go find it in the ocean. Go get it in the ocean. Yeah, go get it in the ocean. <laughs> that was awesome. Right. That was fantastic. I really believe. And then, you know, they got a little chippy and stuff. I don't see anything wrong with that. Well, I, I like Jack Morris's take today. His, he's like, as a pitcher, it's not the batter's fault he hit a home run. I threw the pitch. Next time, throw a better pitch. Yeah. Make him uncomfortable in the batter's box. Don't necessarily go after him, but make him a little uncomfortable. It's not his fault. I threw a pitch down the middle, and he hit it out of the stadium. And you know what's funny about that, too, Collier, is he literally, what did he do? Like, stare down the pitcher? Or he, he celebrated it for 0. 0.5 right. seconds. The pitcher, the pitcher took exception, and then he started chatting, which. I love it, though. I love it. Right. I absolutely love it. Yeah, you're uh, – G, G, welcome again. Uh, I like your uh, – Garrett says, what up, feel for KD and grown adults have no business acting like that across the board. Of course, that's that's kind of what what we said. <laughs> and he uh, he's he's kind of on my side. Well, maybe you – what do you think, Collier? Let's I'll, – I'll wait to, to listen to G's response real quick. But, or uh, I'll wait for your response before we answer back to G. What do you think about well, flipping the bat and stuff like that? Flipping the bat – I mean, watch some of Reggie Jackson's home runs. I mean, Reggie Jackson started it almost back in the day. You know, you can see him. Ken Griffey Jr. was the same. I'm not against it at all. Um, it's a difficult thing to hit a home run off a major league pitcher. 
And in the heat of the moment again, a big game, a big rivalry. I'm not against it. I don't think it's taunting. And it's it's a celebration of doing what you're paid to do. Yeah, so you're right? okay with it. Oh, yeah. You're okay yeah. with it. And do you think MLB needs it? I think so. Absolutely. Because don't you agree Without they're kind of dying as well? Yeah. <laughs> it's tough. I, it's These sports, football and basketball are literally taking, I mean, football just has always been there. But let's face it, uh, NBA basketball for the generate your generation and stuff like that. You just don't care much for it. So Garrett says, oh. pimp every home run. <laughs> you go yard, you get to act some type of way. Don't want them. Don't want them to bat flip. Sit them, Sit them down. And like we said, they literally had it. The MLB put out an ad before the season that literally said, let the boys be boys, let them play let them and play. stuff like that. Okay. Well, they better stick to their guns. That's all. Scott, Scott Slack, thanks for watching, buddy. Says, if you don't want me to watch the ball, you can go get it out of the ocean. Yep, exactly. That's, that, I thought that was fantastic. That that's was that's exactly what we need. That's exactly what baseball needs. They need those rivalries and stuff like that. And guess what? Hey, the pitchers can bean them too the next thing. Oh, yeah. I mean, you got to watch out what you say and stuff like that if you don't want to get beaned and whatnot. So good for the. I, I, I love it. I, I think they need more of it, and I wish they would have more of it. I wish these guys would show a little bit of emotion. I mean, you just hit it. If you hit a 95-mile-an-hour fastball out of the park, I'm right. sorry. You should be able to celebrate. Literally That's out of the park, right? <laughs> literally into the Pacific Ocean, folks. There's a cove, right? It's a cove yeah. over there. But still, same water, folks. Same water. All right, cool. Well, thanks for watching the A to G show tonight. Jeff Collier sitting in for Garrett Collier. Again, leave us your comments. We really appreciate you watching. Let's move on to the next subject. And uh, G, you might want to listen to this one too. I'm sure you'll have some feedback. U.S. Women's World Cup team destroyed Thailand 13 to nothing and have been under some criticism for celebrating that win and setting a, a World Cup record. Do you agree with the scrutiny that they have been No, been not, taking? not one bit. I mean, I thought there was qualifications to get into this thing. I mean, why is Thailand even in the world cup why i watched cameroon and canada for a few minutes the other day and cameroon looked like i was coaching them they had no clue what was going on i i, I guess the qualifications need to get a little stiffer if you're going to have an issue with a 13 to 0 score i mean you have the best team in the tournament versus a team that probably shouldn't be in the tournament I don't have any problem with it at all. It's the I world, guess it's, it, the world it's, Cup. it's not it's not a question and and she was like show no mercy as professional sports. The question isn't whether it was right to run up the score. The question was on that 13th goal they were celebrating just as hard as they were on the first goal. I also have no problem with it uh because I've listened to some sports shows and stuff like that and they bring up a good point of who's to say what who's to say Thailand took offense to that. Because let's flip it. What if Thailand beat us 13 to nothing? We would still be under scrutiny. Oh, you overlooked Thailand. Oh, you right. guys are you guys were overconfident and stuff like that. When you are a power in a sport, you will take scrutiny regardless, regardless. of what you do, regardless of what you do. These I mean some of these girls are what, 20 years old and they're in their first World Cup and they just right. set a record in a World Cup. They set a record in a World Cup. You better be celebrating that you better be celebrating i don't care who it's against who to say thailand just wasn't happy to be on the same field as the united states and stuff like that like you just mentioned they had no business being in the world cup right what are the qualifications i have no idea what the qualifications are because yeah. i know collier's probably right there with me we don't care much for soccer but but at the same time this is this is fun uh, i do like the women's world cup I'll, I'll probably tune into their next game and stuff like that today I've, we were working and and whatnot but or yesterday yesterday uh, yesterday we were working and stuff like that. But at the same time, I'm sorry. I 100% agree with them celebrating. I don't agree with the scrutiny, but I understand that they're going to get it. They're oh, going yeah, to get it. When you are the United States in everything, it doesn't matter if it's cultural. It doesn't have, it matter if it's athletics, political. It doesn't matter. The United States will always be scrutiny. Why? Because they are, they are the power. They're the leader, right? They're, they're the power of that of what's going on. And I really feel regardless, if they would have lost 13, nothing scrutiny, if they would have won or they did win 13, nothing, they get the, the criticism and stuff like that Absolutely. for celebrating a butt whooping. And I'm sorry, they should, they put in years of hard work for this. I'm sorry, 13, nothing setting a record. Let's not, let's not forget that they're right. setting a record. And here's another, the coach was under criticism as well. You can only yeah, sub three people through the whole silly, game. Right. So, 
You, what yeah. are you going to do? You know, just stop playing, just kick it backwards away from them. I mean, you, once once they got high enough, I think their goal was the record. That's why they celebrated yeah. so much. Once they got to ten, they're probably thinking, well, you know, let's let's get the record. Yeah, that's a good point. That's a really good point. They got pretty close. To, you know what? We got a shot to we do. We got this. a shot to get the record. Right. Let's go in the record books because guess what? We are the best team. So. And like I said, think about those youngins. It's their first World Cup and stuff like that. How cool is that? How well, awesome is that? Yeah. They better be celebrating. I'd be disappointed if they didn't celebrate, right. actually, to be honest with you. I think that's ridiculous. Uh, and and I, I really think we'll see. They play, uh, what, Chile on Sunday. Chile, whatever, Chile. however you want to. <laughs> Chile, as most people call it. But I think I think it was a dominant performance, and they have every right to – I agree. To celebrate agree. and stuff. So so you don't disagree with that? No, nope, the... don't have any issue with it. No. Okay, great, great. I thought you might, Collier. I thought you, <laughs> I thought you might uh, have a no. little little pushback on that. Nope. Garrett Collier says, was only 3-0 at halftime. Second half was a route. Right. That's a good point. Only up 3 nothing. I mean, let's face it, 13 nothing. I don't think you're going to come back from that. But <laughs> you never know. You never know, especially Thailand. I don't I don't think that's a that's a possibility. But uh, what do you got? What do you got next, Collier? Well, to go along with the College World Series, um, my dad shot me a little note today. Um, he watched last week's show, and he's like, I got a question for you about the college and the use of the metal bat. Oh, okay. He said, okay. how much do you think it affects the increased batting averages with the use of the metal bat, and what's your opinion on the use of the metal bat in college? 100% helps out. Actually, I just had this question tonight with uh, Buddy Big Joe. He said, how much does – actually, it was it's kind of vice versa, kind of the opposite. How much does – or what does wood bats – how does wood bats affect, like, a college player going into the pros? I said, 100%. 75% of the people coming out of college can't, can't do the wood bat. I think we brought up Drew Henson. Drew Henson was right. an amazing high school player, amazing college football player, but he – like, he's – how many state records does he have with an aluminum bat? Just – who knows, right? Almost all home them, runs, right? slugging percentage, <laughs> yeah. average, triples, all that stuff, career, season, all of that stuff. What do I think about the aluminum bats? I think uh, – now, first of all, I'd love to see it in the pros because I think that would uh, – but, again, a lot of the – you'll kill the third baseman probably because these guys will just, just rip it, right? But I remember my opinion of the aluminum bat. I'm for it. I, lo I love the aluminum bats in college and stuff like that. Practice with a wood bat if you want to – I mean, right. if you if you want to get ready for trip or minor leagues and the, the 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 pros, practice with a wood bat, you know, and then go up to bat with a aluminum bat, and if you're in college and stuff like that. I mean, what's what's your thoughts on that, Collier? Well, I agree. It does help the batting average 100. percent I mean, the the speed of the ball coming off the bat. There, just a the, lot of people don't realize this. The sweet spot on aluminum bat is much greater. It's large, yes, much larger. Yes, you can miss a little bit and still hit the right. ball hard. But I think, in my opinion, part of the raised averages in college is they don't see top pitchers. I mean, how many top high school pitchers go that's, to college? That's a real good point. No, they get drafted. They go through the farm system. Yes. Where the position players, the top position players, a lot more of them will go to college. So they don't see the pitching that they see once they get to the major leagues, that's, obviously. That's a real good point. Which Tyler. also elevates the college batting averages. But the the metal bat, I, I saw a couple of shots that were just – they were in the outfield stands Look out, before, yeah. you know, you could even – I do love that sound, okay. though. Oh, yeah. The ting, the little ting, and you can tell they just crushed it. But yeah, I mean, you got to think about safety too. So you got to think about safety for the exactly. pitcher, safety for the. They third can baseman. control that though. The speed it comes off, they can. They have changed the bats over the last ten years. They have. They That's kind of what I was going to go to. I, I mentioned how I love the College World Series back at Rosenblatt. Say, you know, this was when I was real young, and there were games what twenty nine to twenty seven. We're right. talking 20 home runs in a, in a game. You know, these guys. I mean, that's a little sarcastic, but just the, the runs. I remember one. Yeah, one College World Series, like the championship game was literally, it was 29 to like 27 was, was the run <laughs> and stuff. And that's they started changing the bat after that because like, this is not – I mean, they're still changing it in high school and stuff like that. Right. I mean, yeah. it changed when I was in high school over my four-year stint in high school. The, they changed the, the weight differential to the length and stuff like that. You know, it went from minus five to minus three. If you had a, 
what, 33 inch bed. It had to be 30 ounces or 30, whatever. So I really think obviously the aluminum bat helps out all that stuff, but you, I I do like the, the point of they're also facing weaker pitching right in college in college uh these yeah because i think you're right these guys go if you are an elite high school pitcher you probably go right through the farm system and stuff like that yeah. so i i do not disagree with that i think that's a really good a really good point uh this is something uh, we'll, we'll move on to the next one again thanks for joining us the a to g show jeff Collier sitting in for g tonight uh, I'm Adam Amble. Thanks for joining us. Make sure you keep leaving your comments and stuff like that. Really appreciate it. Get us, get us stirring up a little bit, guys. Let's hear some uh, questions and your opinions and stuff like that. Uh, Mr. Keen says two nothing St. Louis Blues eleven. Well, that game's over because it's hockey, so <laughs> uh, it's, al- it's almost as bad as soccer. So, uh, in terms of scoring and whatnot, so <laughs> so sorry for all you hockey fans, fans over there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Sorry for all you hockey fans that are that are on there. Just kidding. If the Red Wings weren't it, I'd be I'd be all about it. But uh, this one's kind of right up your alley, Collier. Uh, you know, I'm I'm, I'm going to say horse racing, but all animal racing events. Do you find them cruel? Are they cruel to the animals uh, during the events? And I know you you kind of this kind of hits home to you. For uh, go ahead and tell your story of what because uh, you used to train, right? A I lot of racing horses bread, and stuff. Sure, yep, harness horses. It is not cruel to the animals in any way if it is done in the right way. Well, I guess that brings up the question. <laughs> but how, how do many you, people right. do it the right way? And you, you, like I said, you have some background. And how do you on this, control so like, it? How do you do it the right way? And I have no idea. It's a difficult sport to control. There's so many variables that are behind the scenes that you can't control. Um, it's, you know, you got jockey and trainer discussions on how they want to race the horse you've got jockey to jockey discussions you've got trainers that don't train the horses properly there are there's drugging in horse racing just as there is in in people racing. is that doping so, yeah sure yeah is it is it legal no absolutely okay not. Yeah. so you cannot pump up a horse with what do they pump up a horse with like say before the kentucky derby because I, I, how do they control these horses? I, I just have no idea. Right. Like, I mean, they got to pump them with some sort of drugs, I would assume. Yeah, there's all. I mean, you got I mean, There's. You push the limit, I assume. Different of, drugs they give them for different things. Um, you know, butyrol was a big one. It's legal in some states. It's not in others. Um, just different things that the trainers know how to do, what to do, when to do it, and how to get away with it to some point. Now, when I was training racehorses and standard beds, the first two horses automatically went to what we call the spit barn. And oh, okay. If you get first or second, they went in. Test? With drug a, test, basically? Yeah, state-paid veterinarian was there um, to do a, a urine test. They had to, you had to, you know, they had to pee in a cup. You know, we called it spit barn, and you had to sit there for however long it took your horse to okay, take see, care of business. Okay, see, I didn't know that. I did not know that. But the results obviously came day two, three days later, and there were purses taken away and, and punishment that way. Um, but if you want to finish third or fourth and cruise along and make the money, you might not get caught. Um, but that's not the only cruelty, you know, cruelty and how they're training them, how much they're training them, when they're training them. Forcing you know. them on. Right, the, right. What about like after the races? I know in years past, you know, a lot of times like a horse breaks his leg or something like that. Is that, is that kind of, is that overblown at all? Or, I mean, why do they put these horses down it, when, you know, it did not happen that much at, at the, on the standard bread level, more on the thoroughbred. I think the animals are so big and strong and, but their legs just aren't made sometimes to take it. You know, at the Kentucky Derby level, Preakness level, they pay a lot for them horses, and those horses get treated very well. Oh, they're probably like I mean, they're not, queens, yeah, right? Yeah, there's just not the, you know, punishment or it's it's not that sport at that level. They they get treated well. They get fed, padded stalls, get treated just great. Um, it's at the mid level where. But what what did I know? When was it? Probably what eight nine years ago when the horse did like had a stress fracture or whatever in the leg, and they had to put it down and. It comes to a point. Um, Why do they do that? Let's. A is the horse going to be usable for anything? Um, is, if it's a, 
you know, if it's already a gelding, you can't breed it. So, you know, it's just going to walk around. Um, you don't want to spend the money. It costs a lot to maintain a horse. I know, but is that our choice? Is that the greatest thing? <laughs> no, you know. You I, know maybe, when that's, is, maybe that's the question. That's, is, I think that's, that's pretty more cruel, The question is, is at what point is it okay to euthanize an animal? Uh, that yeah. goes into a whole different <laughs> discussion, I think. What about Jenna, Michelle, Maddox? What about greyhound racing? I've I, I never been to a dog race, and I'll never go to a dog race. I don't agree with that at all. Really? But yeah. you agree with the horse racing? Yeah, for sure. It's a different. It's a com completely different animal. <laughs> that's but that's yeah. interesting. Yeah. Still animals, right? And I right. understand you. Like I said, you have the background on it. So, uh, in my mind, I do. Uh, I do feel that it is it is cruel for for the animals. You know, I'm not and I'm not a PETA supporter by any means. Right. You know, <laughs> stuff like that. Uh, I do feel it is cruel for for us to do these uh, these things to animals because of kind of what you just said. Like, who is it? You know, we raise we raise these horses. The 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 owner raises these horses, and of course, spend a lot of money on them. Like more money than probably ever make in a lifetime. Sure, and they break a leg or something like that and boom it's up to a human being to decide because you put them in that situation it's up to a human being to say well okay i just don't want to pay for you anymore or you're just going to be walking around like a lot of horses just do right. regardless you know what i mean and i guess in terms of the greyhounds yes yeah, uh, Jenna says they starve the greyhounds and make them chase rabbits. Not good. Of course, I'm kind of on that same page, but I still think it's the same, you know, whipping the horses as they go, um, stuff like that. It just looks cruel. It's an, I know it's an old school sport back to ancient, ancient times, you know, with the sport harness the racing kings, and stuff right. like that. Um, but again, I really think that it is cruel to the animal. I know they do pump them with a bunch of, uh, regardless if it's legal or not, they pump them full of, uh, certain chemicals and stuff like that, especially right before the, the the drop of the gate, right and stuff like that, to to calm them down, or do you do you pump them with something to get their heart rate right. their heart rates going, and stuff like that? I mean, do you feel? I mean, it's illegal for, uh, for example, an NBA player to shoot themselves up with adrenaline, right before a game. It's illegal. You know, you can't do that. Now, will they get caught? Yeah. Who knows? Maybe, maybe not. Right? Who knows? Who knows? Because I was, like in the M or the NFL, you could do steroids for crying out loud because they need them, you know, <laughs> like recovery, recovery steroids and stuff like that. But when it comes to the animals, I really do feel that it's it's cruel on them because that's like it. And it, it's not like you like you mentioned, they do get treated very, very well. Uh, but I go back to the fact is it's it's still up to a human at the end of the day to say, you know what, you're just not worth it to me anymore, so let's put you down. And, I, you know, could you do that? People consider, like, dogs as part of their family and stuff like that. You know for a fact that if you had a dog that was with you for 10 to 15 years, right. you're not putting that dog down unless, they, unless one, it's going to cost you thousands of dollars to, to fix. Two, the dog is actually literally suffering, you know, right. or three – I guess that's the only really two reasons that you would actually right. put the dog down. You know, for a fact, you would fight, fight, fight for that yeah. dog to stay I, alive. I just think horse racing done properly is not cruel at all. Um, horses, even with them whipping I them mean, and stuff like that. There's no difference in that and a quarter horse that you're going to take out and you know a cowboy is going to work on a ranch. I mean, there's no difference. That's what the horse is bred to do. Um, these thoroughbreds are bred to race. They're that's what they want to do. I mean, if you get behind a horse that really wants to race, you can tell. There's a, there's a difference. And if they're treated right, you do it right. I, it's to me, there's no cruelty in it. Okay. All, well, fair enough. I like that. That's a good uh, good discussion right there. What do you got? What do you got next? We got time for probably one more before some call the three folks. Again, thanks for joining us tonight on the A to G show. Uh, appreciate your comments and everything like that. Let's roll with one more caller. I think All right, we got, so we got, we got time the, for one more. We got the U.S. Open men's golf tournament okay, coming up yeah. this weekend. I know you're. Oh, not is it a, really this weekend? I know you're not a huge fan, um, but the U.S. Open always tends to set the course up where it's almost impossible for these professionals to even shoot under par. Yeah, I, I have um, noticed that. I have noticed you know, that. Whether it's they make the greens just ridiculously fast they put the pins in positions that are impossible to get to the roughs long 
Um, are you more in favor of watching golf, watching those professionals struggle like you and I struggle when we go to the golf course to make par? Or are you, you know, would you rather see the score minus two or would you rather see the winning score minus 16? Honestly, I'm, I would say this kind of a cop out, but I like it right in between. One, I don't like them to see them struggle. I don't like those even scores and stuff like that. Uh, and two, I don't like it when it's a minus 20 something over the weekend, right. you know, over the weekend, obviously not in one round. Uh, the reason I say that is because one, these guys are obviously the best in the world. It's fantastic to see, but I, I want to watch them pull off amazing shots, amazing shots, but I don't want it to look easy for him either. You know, like the minus 20 over the weekend, I think that's just them just poking at the the stick and stuff like that. Like you mentioned, pin location, easy. Right. Uh, not a lot of uh, weather obviously plays a huge factor in it. But I just feel when it comes to like the U.S. Open, and it's funny you mentioned that because I do notice that every year it seems like it seems like it's it, they set it up. They set up the course and it's nor is it normally a pretty tough course? It, it moves, but yeah, it's normally a tough course. This is Pebble Beach, normally not one of the tougher ones because of the length that Pebble Beach is. So what is it? Is it just like but pin placement and stuff like they that? They will that... make the pins in spots, and they can control how much water's on the green, how fast they're going, if, if they'll receive a ball into certain spots. And so they can make it difficult, but it's, I mean, Tiger went, I want to say, 15 under at Pebble Beach in 2000 or somewhere. I, somebody can look it up, but I think he, he was went that pretty, the winning he went, score. He went pretty low. Um, the rest of the rest of the players didn't fare so well, but I just like to see if you play well, you have a chance on Saturday and Sunday to, to score decent. You know, you get down by four or five strokes. If a good score is even par, you really can't make a whole lot up. But if a good score is five under, then you can make up some ground. It makes, to me, better viewing, which golf's for most people's hard to hard to watch. But I can watch it all. I, day do, I do like the master or uh, the the majors. I, I do like the majors, but that's another good point too. Saturday and Sunday, you want you want that come from behind right. guy. But you're right. If you are at a course where even is the leader and second place is four strokes behind going into Sunday, you're probably like, oh, not a chance. There's the, yeah, it's. It's going to be par, 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 maybe bogey here or there. you got to hope right? that the, the first guy falls apart. Yeah, just falls apart, which you don't want that. I don't, I don't think you'd want that, and I, I wouldn't either. But I'm, I'm kind of right there. I think I think me and you are on the same page on this one where you kind of want to see – you don't want to see the blowouts, obviously. You don't want to see these guys just absolutely shred a course because you don't get to see their true skill. Right. I mean, don't get me wrong. That takes a lot of skill and stuff like Like, we couldn't do it. I couldn't do it, obviously, because I'm not that good a golfer. But it, it's tough to go out there and, and say, oh, well, I can do a under 20 in four <laughs> right. rounds. No, no, not, not, not a chance. But I also don't want to see – that's a very good point. I like that. You want Saturday and Sunday to mean something and to be close. You want those four or five golfers to be within reach of right. each you other. You don't necessarily want the top guy to fall apart. You, uh, right. you want the other guys right. to – Exactly. Play well. You right. want to see their skill. You want to see their skill. Yeah, great question, though. Great question, Collier. All right. Well, that'll do it for Spitfire. Let's rock some call the three tonight. Uh, Collier, I'll go first. And this is, again, these are kind of more personal questions. Again, thanks for joining us tonight, guys, on the A to G show every Wednesday live right here on Facebook at 9 p.m. Uh, really enjoy your comments and stuff like that. So please leave them when you can. We would love to chat it up. This is a. Um, uh, we like to get together and stuff like that and, and see what you guys have to say as well. So call the three. Here we go. So with the injury to KD, it reminds, it reminds me of certain injuries that I've had, whether it be a high school, a college, recreational, et cetera. What was the worst injury that you had to endure? Well, I'll say ever, ever that you had to endure and was just, I, I, I don't want to say like heartbreaking and stuff like that, but one where, Oh, it was just, you know, you had to, like I said, mine would probably be in high school, but what what do you got, Collier? Yeah, I'd have to agree. One, my senior year in high school, I twisted my ankle, practice came down on a guy's foot. and This basketball, Collier? Yeah, and it rolled. Um, the only game I didn't start, so that was the roughest part was 
hobbling around school for a couple of days, knowing that this was a you know on Wednesday, knowing on Friday, um, probably not going to start. Be lucky if I can play at all. Right. So, um, ankle sprains are they're tough. Why? Well, here uh, they never. I've been lucky enough never to have one, but I've I, I've heard they they never go away. They never they're, do. I sprained the same ankle playing racquetball my freshman year at college and racquetball. Nice, man, nice yeah, college. Yeah. But, uh, <laughs> probably my most disappointing injury was that just from the standpoint that you know I didn't get to play or start in the next game so yeah so it's actually uh, yeah so I had went to a summer basketball camp up there at Central Michigan and ended up getting tendonitis in my patella tendon there and it was right before football season so then you got this is my junior year so I had to sit out about three games in football, which I guess I wasn't too disappointed about because I get my butt kicked back there. <laughs> uh, but at the same time, you know, you don't want to let down your team and stuff like that. And in Coleman, you play three sports. You got to play those three sports when they're around. So, like, the coaches in the town were like, what, what are you doing playing basketball right. when football is about to start and stuff like that? So. Yeah, I had to do a lot of physical therapy and and whatnot. Ice every day. Do the old ice, the old ice bath where you stick your whole leg in there. Yeah, and it just, I did full it just body killed. ice bath. <laughs> well, then, you know, who would have thought like running marathons later on and stuff like that? Right. I could endure that, but yeah, that that to me was the most disappointing. It probably wasn't the worst one that I've ever had, but in in terms of of just you know, I never broken a bone. I've dislocated fingers all right. the time and, and whatnot. But uh, other than that, it's pretty, you know, it's pretty low key. But just letting down people and stuff like because you're playing basketball during football season. What are you doing? Basketball is my favorite sport as well. So um, my next one. So as most of you know that are watching, uh, Collier is a diehard MSU fan. So kind of a similar question that G and I had a few months ago when it came to Ohio State. Uh, football this is obviously football but in regards to msu would you rather beat michigan and have like a 500 season or lose to michigan and still head to like the big 10 championship game or something like that <laughs> see this was tough that's, for us yeah that's, and, a, that's a tough question um football i would rather go to the big 10 championship and lose to michigan um only because if you talk to anybody in the state of Michigan other than state fans, that's what's expected. Michigan's a football school. They're historically one of the top football schools. To lose to Michigan sucks as a state fan, but it's not a bad loss. So okay. if I lose yeah. to Michigan and I go to the Big Ten Championship and beat, you know, Northwestern or who's ever on the other side. and Right, because odds are that'd be your only loss in the Big that's Ten. That's going to be a good year. Right. Yeah, I mean, think about it. You maybe only have two losses at that point going into the Big Ten, maybe a non-conference loss. But other than that, if you're going to Big Ten Championship in the East, one loss will probably not going to destroy you because right. it's so so tough. With you but I'm not going to lie, beating Michigan two games in basketball and then losing, and then in, the, losing in the Big Ten Championship, not, well, not going to yeah, bother and, me at all. And not a lot of emphasis, really, <laughs> on the Big Ten Championship, right, right? Uh, in basketball. In basketball and football, obviously, that's your make or break for the playoffs. You got one game, and the big if you if you really if you think the Big Ten championship in basketball, yeah, it's cool, it's great, it's uh, because it extends your season, right? Right. That's the that's the whole reason I loved when Michigan went back to back in Big Ten championships uh, tournament wise. Why? Because I got to see them play that Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday. I thought it was games. great. Yeah, right. exactly. I thought it was great. So I really. Uh, when it came to me, you know, again, MSU football is not really on my radar. Ohio State, that was our question was, uh, would you rather beat Ohio State? Yes, now for crying out loud. <laughs> just, just give us a win against yeah. Ohio State. I'll go 1-12 one and, one and or whatever, 1-11, and 11 and just beat Ohio State. Oh, could you imagine if we were – we'll never be over, but could you imagine if we were just <laughs> terrible, like three – like back in the Rich Rod era, right, and we three beat and five Ohio, State. And beat Ohio State. Oh, that would be fantastic. <laughs> All right, buddy. So the third one, there's been some incredible sporting events that you've probably watched on TV over the years, over over your 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 uh, life there, Collier. 
I'm just curious on do you re- you have a favorite one that really sticks out that you've watched on uh, watch on TV? I know there's probably just a handful of them that you remember, but one that really sticks out. The 2000 national championship for Michigan State. Okay. By far. Okay. Great yeah. one. Yeah. Pretty pretty easy answer. That was a that was a great year. They had a great year. Um, watched the very first game of the series over to a friend of mine's house and you know of the the uh final four and then it was just that final game i stayed home i at a game like that i can't go out i've got to be okay on my couch in front of my television where i can turn off the mute it go in the other room whatever i gotta do get a little frustrated but, you're okay but, yeah but yeah, that was, was yeah. that florida right they played yep, florida, florida there yep that was good. I mean, that was a good squad. I actually enjoyed that game myself. I was actually uh, not as not as uh, much of a hater for the Sparties uh, as I as I have been in my <laughs> in my adult life. But yeah, I thought that was a great game. Uh, we had Mateen Cleaves, Mo Pete. Right. Yep. Uh, one of my favorite Michigan State players was AJ Granger. AJ Granger, Finley, Ohio. Yeah, yeah. So I I enjoyed that, and plus I hate the SEC and ACC. So just terrible but yeah there's there's been a few for me one was the michigan kansas game a couple years back back with uh trey burke we were all at hunt club pretty much everyone uh, were you there Connor? yes yeah i, was, I, was, I think everyone yeah. was there yeah, yeah like everyone that we knew remember we filled that place <laughs> oh, that was it was packed, packed it was, front and back yeah. trey burke hit that three from about what eight feet behind right. the three-point yeah. line sends it into ot we win it i'm sorry that was in the whole bar just went nuts i don't know maybe you even it went was, nuts collier it, because it, i know michigan State had game. to play duke the game after that right, right. yep so yeah, that was a that was a big one. That was that was fantastic. And then second second was probably the Michigan Ohio State game. Uh, actually, two of well, second was probably the Michigan Ohio State game back in ninety uh, ninety seven. Uh, that was really cool. And then the Michigan Michigan State. What was it like the three overtime game with Braylon Edwards just that went late into the night and stuff uh, back before Michigan had lights at the field. Remember they had to bring in the portables right. and whatnot. Uh, yeah, but that was that was pretty cool. It was that Chad Henney's freshman year, actually? So yeah, there was some couple good ones. All right, buddy, what do you got? What do you got for me over there? Well, my first one's kind of related to your last one, um, <laughs> except for I had down what you the favorite sporting event that you've ever been to. Oh, I like or that sporting event or game and with, why with ease, Collier, and I'm sure yours might be kind of similar. It was the first Michigan game with my dad. Uh, I, I went over this on my, with my, on my podcast, actually. I remember this day, or I remember that day just vividly. My dad, I came home on that Friday. It's actually a really good story. I came home uh, from school that Friday, and my dad, I saw the tickets on the table. I'd never been to the big house before, and um, it, it was just fantastic. I was so happy. Uh, we were going down with my cousins, uh, Phil and Steve, and we used to go on trips all the time together and, and whatnot, but that morning, my dad... Uh, came into my uh, came into my room to wake me up, and he started flickering the lights of the Michigan fight song, "Hail to the Victors" right. and stuff. And we went down. I remember we went to Blimpy Subs to get dinner down or uh, lunch down there in Ann Arbor, and just walking into that stadium. You know, it's w- when you're a fan of a team for so long. And growing up in Mid Michigan, I'd never been to Ann Arbor before, and that's a two-hour drive. You know, when you're when you're young, and just just seeing that stadium on TV all the time is so huge, just right. huge, you know, hundred over a hundred at that time, it was only what 102,000 that would fit in there. And I remember the first time walking into that stadium. Oh, I'll tell you what, Collier, just goosebumps. And I remember we were playing, we were playing Eastern Michigan. So not a, <laughs> not a great game, but still it was the first time at the big house. Of course it was packed and just an amazing, uh, amazing memory with my dad and stuff like that. So that's hands down. There's not even one even close to that. So what about what about you, buddy? Well, uh, my favorite one. I was actually at the game when Pete Rose broke Ty Cobb's record. That's pretty impressive. That actually. was that was pretty holy cool. moly. Yeah, um, went down there with with uh, my ex brother in law. Actually, I was visiting Cheryl and Ken when they were married, and actually went the night before. We you know we got tickets. Went down there the night before. He went over, so found some tickets we drove down the next night and uh, that's when he got the hit that broke it and that 
just the atmosphere and the noise and is the excitement for so long. I mean, it was standing ovation. Oh, that's for, fantastic. For, for five minutes. And then his son came out. His son was young at the time, came out, ran to first base, and he gave him a big hug. And oh, wow. the whole crowd, wow. again, it was back uh, standing ovation. But just to see that record, because it had stood for so long. That's a long in, one. In, well, Ty Cobb, right? Yeah, and I was a, yeah. you know, my, I was brought up a baseball kid. My dad loves the game of baseball. So that made it even better, because I was a Charlie Hustle fan. I mean, he belongs in the Hall of Fame. I don't know what you what your thoughts are on that but yes yes he does <laughs> but yeah Hands that down. was that was that was an exciting game and you know obviously more for the historical part of it but it was just fun to be at oh at that's that that's that's yeah. a real good one yeah that's a, like history actually uh zach french i have two i was there when steve yajman scored his 500th goal and when robert tractor trailer shattered the backboard both games with his dad uh yeah i know how that goes <laughs> James Miller says, when are you guys going to talk about the bachelorette? It's <laughs> a good question, James. Uh, maybe next question. week, buddy. Is we'll we'll give it a shot. Number? I don't know. What's the bachelorette? I don't know. What's that? <laughs> I thought it was bachelorette or something. Oh, he spelled it wrong. <laughs> yeah, it's, yeah. Is that bachelorette? I don't know. Whatever. You're going to have to elaborate on that one, James. Sorry, buddy. What, uh, what do you got next? All right. What's your favorite NASCAR race? Are you in favor of road courses? I yes, guess. I am uh, deeply in favor of road courses. I think they're uh, my favorite race that I've been to or just the favorite Your race. Favorite. To watch. Uh, it's got to be the Daytona 500. I love restrictor plate racing. I think it's way more exciting for the fans because they don't get spread out. Actually, Michigan last weekend was pretty cool because it was all drafting and stuff like that. Did you it see was, it? I watched see it at all, some Collier? of it some, probably the last 40 laps or so. Yeah, that's the first. Like, the, normally the leader, when he gets out in the clean air, can gone, put right. quite a gap on people. Not this time. But, yeah, definitely I am uh, in favor of road courses. I think it show, shows uh, the driver's true skill. And also because if it, they got the, they put those cameras down there on their pedals now. Oh, you see right. them just work the throttle yeah. and the clutch and everything like that just, just nonstop. A lot of people don't realize that. Why you're going 100 and some miles an hour in a box, folks. This is not an Indy car. This is not an F1 car. Those things are not made to handle going around those corners at 120 right. miles an hour. And they make it look just easy for, you know, what is it, 80 laps most of the time? You know, like Watkins Glen and Sonoma right. are, are roughly around that. But what what are your thoughts on those? I, I like road courses. I, I brought it up because I was uh, when I was watching the end of the Michigan race, there was a guy sitting next to me, and he hates them. He's like, thinks they're boring and really don't belong and probably won't even watch this weekend, but he considers him a nat himself a NASCAR fan. And I, I disagreed. I mean, it's, yeah, to me, it's more skill. Um, even the pitting strategy is a little bit different you know, and the, what they have to go through to figure that out. Yep. And I used to love the battles. I mean, Jeff Gordon was a great road course. Great road driver, course racer, he, was, yeah. he was my favorite driver. So watching him and Tony Stewart, and some another of the good, battles they another had. good yeah. road course. But, well, and then like we talked before, Carl, NASCAR just doesn't have a rivalry anymore. There's there's not. I mean, you have Kyle Busch, who everybody hates, and but they hate him for <laughs> a wreck. What, remember, we wrecked. Yeah, a, they we, only hit him for that wreck on Junior back in Richmond, and that was what nine years ago by right. now. Nine years ago, and they still hate him. And I mean, he is he's calmed down so much even Stewart towards the end of his career you know he used to be a hothead as well but he kind of calmed down too all right buddy what do you got what do you got on the last one though all right I mean everybody from 25 to 40 that played high school sports you know always wonder my question is you know who was your favorite high school coach <sighs> and why Oh, this is kind of rough. I think we were kind of hosed on. Uh, apologize if anyone's watching but, <laughs> from Coleman, but I think we were kind of hosed on all of our. Actually, probably Coach Allball. Uh, he was our football coach. Uh, he was a great baseball coach, uh, but he wasn't our baseball coach. He was. He led our Coleman High School to the '93 state championship in baseball. Great hitting coach. Great pitching coach. But in high school, I just didn't have like our basketball coach. He was he was a big man, so he really didn't. And we were all mites, so he really you know we tried we ran a four guard set, but he still tried to slow it down. Like no, we need right. to run. We're a bunch of short white boys <laughs> against tower right, farm boys and stuff like that that just pound it down low. 
And our baseball coach was, I mean, we had great teams in baseball and he was severely underachieving. Uh, didn't make a lot of the right calls. And uh, especially when it came to like pitching decisions and stuff like that, it almost like you wanted the season to end early and stuff like I'm right. not, that's, I'm not quoting, you know, that's just speculation and a lot of people in Coleman, but when it comes to favorite coach, probably coach all ball. And he also was, he realized, you know, I was a quarterback on, uh, I was on varsity my sophomore year. And like, like I mentioned, we did not win a game my freshman year, sophomore year, junior year. And we just got destroyed. Luckily, like I, uh, luckily I got to sit out about three games right. my junior year. Uh, Cause there's no way I wanted to get injured for basketball, but in, he was our junior. He finally uh, introduced the spread. So it was great for me because I was a good thrower. I just never had time to throw right. the ball. And we were running like the veer at first. I was like, we're not fast. You know, we're not fast enough to run the veer. And he introduced the spread, and I really started to enjoy football. And, you know, it was new. So when I went through, I remember I threw an interception, three straight interceptions to the same guy against Houghton Lake my senior year. But he was, I was like, Coach, I just can't make the read. He's hiding behind the defensive end. And to be honest with you, he just really uh, – he was right there. He wasn't the yelling type. He right. wasn't like, geez, what are you, terrible <laughs> and stuff like that because we weren't that good. But uh, uh, who do you got? You got a favorite coach back in high school? or uh, Easily my cross-country coach. Okay, okay. Yeah. What, has, had he been I, there for a long time? Well, he had. He okay. Actually, there, you know, Jackson was big in cross-country, the area, and it's basically because of, you know, Jackson High had a great coach, Mr. Janky, and then our coach, Mr. Schultz. They they were kind of before their time with track work and speed work and tempo work, but I wouldn't even have run cross country if it wasn't wasn't for oh, really? Mr. Schultz. Yeah, he, I had him. He Did he my, make it fun? He, well, he was my favorite teacher in middle school. In I played football, but I was too small. I was it was August just before my freshman year of high school, and I'm just out pedaling my bike up and down the road. And he was actually, he worked Marine Patrol for, uh, in the summertime. Mer so oh, okay. he was coming off yep. Clark Lake and saw me riding my bike, pulled over, you know, and he's like, what are you doing? I said, riding my bike. He said, well, cross country practice tonight, be there. I'm like, I've never run over a hundred meters in my <laughs> life. So went home, told my mom, Mr. Schultz wants me at cross country tonight. And so she you took me sold? up to school. Yeah. And. All four years, right? Yeah, all four ran years. Four years. Ended up obviously, it stuck. My, being my best sport, right? <laughs> obviously, sure. it stuck. So that's that's yeah. pretty sweet. Just, to, I mean, high school coaches can be good influences and they can be bad influences. I agree. So it was, I agree. It was good to have have somebody that was a good influence. So. That's your. I I one hundred percent agree with that, and luckily, and I'm not saying my coaches were bad influences. They just, I just don't feel that they were good coaches for high school actually they're really good influences actually but good people you know good right. people just not the type of style that that we really uh that we really needed especially in basketball and baseball and stuff like that so uh that's fantastic so let's uh we're gonna wrap it up here folks sorry we went a little longer than normal but let's let's rock some other quick news again the nba championship fires back up tomorrow in Oakland and Toronto's up three to two. So it should be a fun night tomorrow. Tune into that. If you are into the NBA, I'm sure Mr. Collier will not be tuning into that tomorrow. What do you think? Any luck? Nothing. Uh, tomorrow Garrett's playing. So yep, that, that's done. <laughs> I bet, I bet G's kind of bummed that he's missing. Well, it, I'm, I don't know what time the game starts, but I'm sure he'll end up it's watching late in Oakland. So oh, okay, let's well, see. Uh, we'll be watching. He's done at 10. So. Right on. Again, Michigan baseball Saturday at 2 p.m. in the College World Series. The U.S. women's soccer team plays Chile Sunday at noon. And I want to give a shout-out. Speaking of high school, I want to give a shout-out to the Coleman softball team. They made it to the D4 semifinals, uh, destroying Holton 10-0 and 6 on Tuesday in the quarterfinals. They'll play Kalamazoo Christian Friday, 10 a.m., up there at MSU now. It used to be in Battle Creek, but now it's up at MSU. Make sure to go cheer on the lady. Comets, Collier, it sounds like you'll be – Probably heading to wherever Garrett's heading the rest of the weekend, or for sure Garrett's playing tomorrow at One North here in Jackson. Um, first time there, come and support him. And then Friday he's actually at a venue up in Grand Rapids, bar called the Knickerbocker. So I've got Friday off work. Garrett doesn't know it, but maybe we can get out and play some golf Friday morning before we head up to Grand Rapids. And Ooh. he's playing Saturday as well down at Devil's Lake. So well, well if he's still watching, <laughs> you just let the cat out of the bag, Collier. I'll tell you what. All right, folks. Well, that'll do it for us tonight. Again, sorry we kind of went over uh, by about five minutes. No big deal. 
Uh, we appreciate everyone watching. Jeff Collier again tonight. It, we, it was a great time. We really appreciate you guys watching. Uh, we really appreciate the comments and stuff like that. So again, that's, uh, that's uh, really appreciated. We will be back here next Wednesday. Uh, I don't know if uh, Mr. Collier over here will be, <laughs> will be back. Hopefully Garrett can, uh, can join us, come back to his uh, seat. But right. Collier's been doing a great job. Really appreciate you being here, buddy, uh, helping out and appreciate stuff like that. Appreciate you having me. Enjoy uh, it. Yep. Next, uh, again, next Wednesday, right here, live on Facebook, 9 p.m. Again, our, the podcast will be out later this week. And you can also go check us out on YouTube. This episode will be out probably Friday, Saturday. Again, I'm going to try to make it at the same time every week just so you guys can get in the uh, – you don't have to watch us live and stuff like that. You can always just tune in to SoundCloud or iTunes and check us out there. Again, really appreciate it. We will see you guys next Wednesday. Have a great weekend, everyone.